0: If people have not experienced pet loss grief before, they might come in and say, am I going crazy? What's wrong? I'm shocked by how badly, like I can't function. I I feel lost. And so educating them about what makes pet loss grief different and the stages that they might experience just helps give them a sigh of relief. Someone's been through this before.
1: You're listening to The Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason and today we're talking about the resources that are available when we lose some of the most important people in our lives and that that is our pets. Um, and I say people because they really do feel like a member of the family and I've experienced the loss of a pet. His name is Milo, who's a sweet baby pug dog and he was a part of our family and he represented a huge chunk of our lives and mourning him was very difficult difficult and as our listeners know I have a deep and wonderful friendship with Ashley Gunnels who is our co-host sometimes and she lost her her little baby puppy last last week Bella and so we were just both curious what resources are available and I did a quick web search and I've discovered our guest today Lindsay Benson who is uh, amazing welcome Lindsay to the mental health download.
0: yeah thanks for having me today to talk about pet loss grief. So I am a licensed therapist, and I have my own practice discussing a range of issues from trauma, anxiety, depression, and beyond. And part of my work as a therapist, I had my own therapy dog, and he was great with the clients. I would just see clients relax into the session with his presence. So when he passed away suddenly of cancer, that sent me on my own journey to discover what resources could I find even to support myself with that grief and loss. And I was a little disappointed because I couldn't find very much. (laughs) And so that kind of sent me on a quest to educate myself more about what makes pet loss grief different than grieving our great aunts, our grandma, even our parents. So through that journey for myself, I was able to find the Association for Pet Loss and Bereavement that's out of Newark. And they offer a training program for therapists to have additional training and credentialing to actually be a certified pet loss and bereavement therapist. So through a very intensive eight-week course working with Dr. Seif, who is the founder of this association and basically the guru of pet loss grief internationally, I was able to get that certification. And I decided that I would start a support group, a free support group in honor of my therapy dog who helped so many. So that is how I came to know about pet loss grief through my own personal experience. And then wanted to make sure that there was a resource available for people as they go through it as well.
1: Let's kind of walk through your own experience. So tell me the name of your therapy dog who died.
0: Yeah, his name was Gus. And that's The support group is named in his honor. So it's called the Gus group, but it stands for giving unconditional support, kind of a play on the unconditional love we get from our pet.
1: Nice. And what what kind of uh, dog was Gus?
0: Oh, he was a mini Schnauzer.
1: (laughs) How adorable. I I had in my mind like this big like Labrador or something like that, but a mini Schnauzer. That's awesome. And, and, you know, tell me the little things about Gus that you loved. And maybe some of the things that weren't so awesome, like that that were endearing. Oh, that's
0: that's funny. It's hard to think of things that weren't endearing because everything he did was adorable. And I think I think that's kind of even a part of the relationship and bonds that we have with our pets, and how it is unique from other relationships we have because they can do something like. Tear up the toy and we're annoyed, but also like they're adorable, you know, like they're so cute in destroying the toy. Like, so it's even like hard to be mad or stay mad at them because their spirit of just love and complete acceptance makes us just love and completely accept them back. So, yeah, it's hard for me to think of something he did that wasn't adorable and amazing. But, but I think, I think that bond is what I have discovered is the difference so often. And so I think that's an important factor to discuss because sometimes sometimes when people contact me... So I have the support group that I do for free. I also... Because I have my own practice and I do individual counseling, I also do individual counseling for people who are finding themselves grieving for a pet. They can contact me as well. But regardless, when people contact me, I like to provide them lots of resources, books, online support group chats that are available blog because I just want people to have choices to whatever it is they might need at the time. But the biggest piece I think is psychoeducational because if people have not experienced pet loss grief before, they might come in and say, Am I going crazy? What's wrong? I'm shocked by how badly like I can't function. I I feel lost. They might even be surprised as to all the experiences that they're going through. And so educating them about what makes pet loss grief different and the stages that they might experience just helps give them a sigh of relief. Okay, this is a thing. Someone's been through this before. People can relate. And that's also the helpful component of the group setup is there's people who are going through similar situations. So it feels like compassionate understanding. So I think some of those things that make pet loss different is that unconditional love bond that we have with our pet and that it's very simple. They love us when we come home smelly from the gym. They're excited to still see us and kiss us, right? Um, When we're sad, they draw near to comfort. They, they require very little and in turn give so much for some people even. They might be the only source of unconditional love that they have in their life. If they haven't had healthy relationships with their parents growing up or other relationships throughout their life, this pet becomes this very true beacon of like pure unconditional love. So the bond being so strong because of that. Another component is they're a perpetual toddler. They never outgrow needing a high level of care from us. <laughs> so, so even with your own children, you know, they become, they can make the mac and cheese and they, can, they become independent and they grow up and out. But the, but the pet always needs our level of care. So we, we lovingly commit to that care when we bring them into our home. So that means we change our life schedule to accommodate taking care of the dog. So what time we wake up, what time we come home. Oh, I can't, I can't go, you know, to dinner. I got to get home and let out, you know, my dog. You know, we, we make decisions in day to day life to take care of the pet. So then all of a sudden, when the pet leaves us, we all, we feel lost because we don't have our routine. When great aunt Susie died, we're sad, but she wasn't integrated into our life to such a degree that it decided when we wake up, when we go to sleep, what time, you know, we have to be home. So, we love her, but it's a different kind of experience because we have dedicated our lives around the timeline of the needs of the pet. So, that's a big part too. So, we can feel very lost in our day-to-day routine once they're gone.
1: When did Gus die? What year was that? Um,
0: 2012.
1: Okay. And how long did he have cancer?
0: He lived six weeks. So, I found out that he had cancer and he lived about six weeks past that
1: point. Yeah. Yeah. I had to put, and, 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 and language is very interesting. And, and I've, these are, these are things that are just popping into my head, but there's so much language around being sensitive, around grieving a loved one who has passed. And there's, you know, we say passed and there's a whole vocabulary that people use. And as awkward as it is still people, you know, I've lost some, I lost my brother and sister in it, and it, people even then, they didn't have the language to communicate that they were sorry. And, and, but there, there is loss. And so I was about to say, I, you know, I put my, my, sweet baby Milo, little pug dog, I put him down and that seems horrible to say. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so what, you know, when, when we are talking, let's, let's kind of go there. What, what, what are some of those preferred language things that you would, that you would help that help also like when I say put down, like that, I feel bad that I even said that. I feel like I've, you know, made him an, uh, an object instead of someone that I love dearly. So, so help me.
0: Yeah, that's so many great points you're bringing up that also are unique to pet loss. One, which I'll just touch briefly, because that's a whole other (laughs) podcast, that we're not comfortable with grief, especially here in the US. And so even when we do um, lose a family member, like a human being, people don't have the words. And so a lot of times it even complicates things when we're grieving a pet, especially if the person doesn't understand the relationship and they've not personally they've never had an unconditional bond with a pet they can be really insensitive unknowingly and say like just get another one you know make comments like that and so it can feel even more lonely if you don't have friends and family members that understand how important this bond was so that's another reason why finding a support group or some friends or families that can understand is important the next thing you're mentioning such a unique component no other place in our life do we have to make this ultimate decision of love and care to end the suffering of our pets. So that brings in a whole nother level of a sense of responsibility and guilt to have to make that decision to end the life of our loved one. It makes it, it, makes it really difficult, that sense of responsibility or guilt. And, and what I find is there's, there's about two categories with euthanasia. There's the people who think I waited too long, and there's the people who think I did it too soon. It's really like that is a big part of grieving process with pet loss is working through either feeling like you waited too long or you did it too soon. I I rarely found anyone who says it was exactly right time (laughs) because the reality is we never want to lose them. And so that's what I try to help people understand. We do not want to say goodbye to them. So there will not feel like this was the this was the exact right time. We're, because our heart doesn't want to say goodbye. And so that's why we walk away questioning and wondering and doubting and feeling guilty and replaying this decision. So helping people get out of that guilt that begins whenever they have to use the nice the pet that comes with that, working through and processing that and helping them get to a more neutral place of understanding. I made the ultimate sacrifice to end suffering.
1: And that goes back to me saying, you know, catching myself saying put down and, or, yeah. you know, or even euthanize sounds, you know, bad, but to end their suffering that I love that. Yeah. That's really good. Okay. The, 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 next part is I want you to talk about this, your stages of grief with Gus and to kind of explain that to people, you know, kind of what you experienced.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, as a therapeutic component, we have Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief. And then Dr. Seitz from the Association of Pet Loss and Bereavement adapted those to apply specifically to pet loss grief. So he has, if you want to go to his website, associationofpetlossandbereavement.org, or check out some books that he's written, it has a lot of helpful educational information if you want specifics for that. Me personally, and what I typically see is, and I think this is mirrored back by most people who work with grief, there are stages, but they're fluid. So they're not linear and you can feel all five things in one day. So part of it is just understanding that at the beginning, there's definitely like that shock and disbelief. Is this happening? How can this be happening? I can't believe this is happening, especially in a situation similar to yours. Like you, you just take on their sick. You think they're coming back and they don't. So disbelief and shock being the first stage then I think a lot of times comes the guilt. Because if you especially if you had to euthanize, even if your your pet dies and there's not a euthanasia, I find a really high level of guilt with pet loss grief. Now, sure, guilt is a component in losing other loved ones, but very much a component in pet loss grief because of that care and responsibility that we take on. We can start questioning, was it the dog food? How did they get cancer? You know, I bought them the cheap dog food because it was on sale. You know, and I was in college. That was all I could. Have, you know, so we go through every decision that we have made to see if we could have done something different because our mind and our heart is wanting a different outcome. So we, and I think because you know, our our human loved ones, if they're fifty years old, they're responsible for making their own decision. But because we're responsible for every decision. For the pet, we take on this responsibility of maybe I should, I should have known. I should have done something different. So guilt is definitely the biggest stage. I think that I went through that I see most people go through. And so it's helping work through that, helping work through that to get out of this um, guilt and, and self blame. Then from there, you know, sadness and depression, of course, anger a lot It's why, why, why did this happen? You know, and so working through all of these and then ultimately getting to resolution, which is it kind of takes the sharpness off of the heartache and off of the pain and getting to a place of neutrality and understanding of, I'm so sad that this happened, but I'm going to be okay. And also finding and reconnecting with our pet. You know, in our heart space, whatever our beliefs are, where our pets go after they pass away, there's an understanding that the impact Gus had on my life, Milo had on your life, impacted you for the better. And there's a positive change that has happened in your existence as a human being because of that relationship and that bond. And so whenever we get through the guilt, through the anger and the sadness, we can get to that place of really embracing, oh my gosh, I've learned so much. I learned so much in that 13 years we had together. I've learned so much. And I'm going to carry that love. And I'm going to carry that lesson in my heart always. And so it's reconnecting within ourselves to that unconditional love and relationship and carrying it in our heart in this way that honors our pet versus it feeling like completely destroyed by the law. So it's navigating all those ups and downs to get to that place of reconnection within in honoring the lessons that we've learned.
1: You are amazing. I, I'm just enjoying this so much, and I know the listeners are enjoying this. This is, this is such it's so helpful. All right, the next piece I want to talk about is that celebration part of their life, and I think I think when I was growing up, and there wasn't social media and things like that, your dog would die, you know, people would be like, "What's wrong?" And you'd be like, "Oh, my dog died," and they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry." But now I think with social media, and I think this this was the case with Milo, and this is the, the case with Ashley. I mentioned when Bella died, you put it on social media. Media. And it's this beautiful tribute to them and people can and it's amazing the outpouring of support and love that comes from a, a social media post. So, uh, you know, talk about that. Like, I don't know if you had pets growing up and, and how being able to celebrate them with and, and, and share that love with other people, uh, how that has changed the way we grieve.
0: I would say what I have noticed being like a lifelong resident of Oklahoma. So specifically here, there's a transition over the last 20, 30 years. I mean, I think if we look back historically, man's relationship with animal is significant. But I think that it's continuing to evolve sometimes just based on the amount of trauma that we have happening in the world, the amount of uncertainty. As we have as a as a society face more stressors, we almost get more bonded with our pets, if that makes sense. Because if things get more and more complicated around us, we can just come home and rest in the like simplicity of the unconditional love of the pet. So I've seen just a shift almost in how we honor the pet. And I think that's evident across the board, like how many boutique Animal, you know, like shops we have in town, like a billion dollar industry, you know, sure. the, the coziest dog bed that, that, you know, like 30 years ago, no dogs were wearing sweaters. Like, <laughs> you know, <So laughs> it's, it's evident just in how we are how we are deepening that relationship with the dogs and they are a member of our family versus like just growing up on the farm and they're just, you know, another farm animal. So it's like really incorporating them into our homes, into our lives to this higher degree. And I think that the more stressful the world gets, the more people continue to return to the simplicity of that relationship. So therefore I think there is even more of a need for the pet loss, grief understanding to be shared I think that you're right. Social media allows for feeling connected to people that also get it. That's always nice. And we're going through something. We're wondering, is, am I the only one who's felt this? Are there others? And so when we put it on Facebook and we get that connectedness of, I totally understand. Oh my gosh, that feels really heartwarming. And to hear, okay, that person went through it a year ago and they are okay now. Because some in the in the midst of the darkness of the grief, We wonder if we're ever going to feel okay. Are we Are we ever going to feel like ourselves again? And so to hear that time's the ultimate healer, we have choices to make during that time in order to care for ourselves, understanding of the grief stages, how much we allow ourselves to just feel our feelings, how well we take care of ourselves. That speeds up the process, but it's time, time and care and allowance. So so those components all flow in. And I love the social media component. I also encourage people to create their own celebration for the honor of the pet's life. So that could look like plant a tree in in your pet's honor. We have, you know, in Tulsa now, we have Angel's Pet Funeral Home. You can have a complete funeral service for your pet there. They have, you know, you can have a slideshow, you can invite people. So we have these resources now. How will I honor my pet in their life and what they brought to me? So, so many choices, but I definitely encourage people if they feel like they want to, because it's all an individual process, find a way to honor their pets. make a donation to the main society in the pet's honor, plant the tree, create online, you know, Instagram slideshow, mm-hmm. you know, what does it feel like you want to do? Because that's an additional thing. We don't have the funeral service set up that we do for pe- the people, which You know, doesn't solve our grief when we have a funeral, but it definitely allows a sense of kind of recognition. So can we create that same kind of recognition and honoring the pet's life in other ways and get creative and see what feels best and right for you and your family if you're doing this with other people in the home?
1: You know, with the pandemic, you know, I, I lost my grandmother very early in the pandemic. She did not die of COVID, but she passed during the, during the time of quarantine. And we, we still haven't had a ceremony, you know, and it's, it's been very strange. And, and, and so that, that grieving part. And so grieving during this time of pandemic has been so very strange. You know, how is that? How do you think that losing, going through pet grief during the pandemic? What, what has that been like for people? What have you been hearing?
0: Yeah. You're very, very right on. I think the grief experience has completely shifted because of, of the pandemic and not being able to gather and honor like we once did. So from from what I see from the pet loss, I definitely have had an increase in people reaching out to me since since the pandemic started. I don't know if that's just coincidental or not, but I think because people are already feeling so overwhelmed by everything that's happening in the world around us and so uncertain. And because our pets are like a placeholder of certainty, we always know what to expect from them. We always know like they're, they're just stable, steady, consistent source of that unconditional love. So I think if, if we're losing them anytime, it's hard, but if we're losing them in a time where we're already overwhelmed emotionally, and maybe we're isolated from people and literally just this little furry, you know, ball of life was our thing that we're connected to. And now we're losing them. So I think it's just creating like an additional complexity to the grief that people experience because isolation is always really hard no matter what. And especially if you're grieving, because the opposite of grief and disconnect is connection. So I think that, yeah, adding a different layer for sure, people to.
1: Yeah, I, when when Ashley's Bella died last week, I was like, oh my gosh, to have to deal with this in in the pandemic. I just my heart goes out to her and she used to, yeah, I, a couple of days later I, you know, I I I was texting with her and she was like, "Man, I just we were going to do another another podcast actually about seasonal affective disorder and she was like, "I just don't feel like myself, you know, since Bella died." And I just oh, it just broke my heart. Okay, so now I want to talk about resources that you direct people to and and We've touched on it. I want you people to tell. I want you to tell me how they can connect with your support group, with all the resources, books, whatever you want to point people to. That would be super fantastic.
0: Yes. So the Association for Pet Loss and Bereavement is like the international go-to resource for pet loss. Dr. Saeed, who created the foundation, is like the forefather of pet loss. So their site is www.aplb.org is a resource that has um, so many choices uh, there. They have articles, they have books that are listed. You can even um, submit a picture of your pet and a little story. They have like a, a honoring like m- memorial that's always floating through the screen. So it, it gives you a, a resource to honor the pet and also provides lots of helpful information. It also has information about um, quality of life and decisions like pre-morning when you're when you find out that your pet has cancer and it's just a matter of time you can start then you don't have to wait until after they pass away so if you're in a situation where your pet's aging and you know it's getting close to time your pet's sick and you know it's getting close to time they even have resources to support you and walk you through that stage of coming to terms so it's a really great place just a wealth of knowledge the book that Dr. Wallace I wrote loss of a pet is probably the most comprehensive and yes, it's good for therapists, but I think anyone can easily relate to the information there. And people can contact me through my website, guspetloss.org. Um, they can contact me there from the forum for individual counseling or, you know, to find out information about the support group. Then no matter what, if I, if I don't have an opening to see people, I always send them an email with so many resources that it's probably too many resources and (laughs) I just want them to have things in their hand because the book that I mentioned like it's great but I mean there are 20 books and it depends on you know are you walking through this alone are you walking through this with a 10 year old and a 4 year old in your home so there's a lot of different factors and, and special like specialization like books for families with small kids Books for seniors, they definitely fall into a category of even more complex grief. If, if you're a senior and you're losing your pet, there's a lot of, you know, specialized things for that because at that point, they've usually lost a lot already. They've usually had a lot of losses in their life. And, and sometimes for seniors that live alone, just them and the pet, it becomes even harder to overcome. So, so books and resources and websites that specialize specific to what's going on in your life as you're grieving. So I always am happy to provide any information that I can that might be helpful to, to people. So any, anyone who reaches out to me, I respond back, give them all these resources that they can use to support themselves and then, you know, go, go from there. So.
1: And you touched on something and and, and it was a good point I hadn't thought of, which I should, because the, my pets, I I'm very, you know, Milo was my dog, even though I have three daughters and a beautiful wife, but (laughs) let's, you know, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to try not to think so self-centered if you have children and they are grieving a pet loss, what, what, what advice would you have?
0: Yeah. So I think there is general understanding the cognitive stages of grief for children depending upon what age they are so so you know i provide some of that information too if it's a family that has it just educating yourself on what's typical for a four year old versus a 10 year old can be completely different just because of the stage of understanding and development they're at so having some basic information you don't you don't have to read an entire book about it but just some basic information about what's normal behavior for those age groups and then, it, how do you support them walking through their grief? I have found that with children, drawing pictures, writing a poem, reading books, there's there's some children's books, and this is part of resources that I share. There's children's books just about pet loss. Kids love books. Anything that's in a book, it seems like this has happened to other people. And so often, just creating a situation like, this is normal, people lose their pet, this is what happened, just makes them feel so much better. So reading books with them opening it up to do you want to draw a picture about milo do you want to you know giving them an opportunity to express their grief because they don't have always the vocabulary and the words but they do have that beautiful ability to just draw how they feel right how they feel make a picture And then it also plays into if they want to do something to honor the pet. And sometimes they will and sometimes they won't and it's all okay. You know, each kid will need something differently just as each person will need something differently. I think the biggest part of the grief journey is not to judge yourself, your feelings. Allow whatever's there to be felt and meet yourself with kindness.